I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. Martha, welcome to the BU Find Happy podcast. We're going to talk about midlife. We're going to talk about dating and obstacles and uh, the DNA fit framework and all sorts of fun stuff. Tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and uh, how you kind of got into all the world that you're in. Absolutely. So, hey, everybody. My name is Martha Bodyfelt, and I am a dating and relationship coach for what I like to call grown-up women um, who want to find love or find love again, but would rather have a root canal with no anesthesia than try dating again. And so what I offer, um, what I offer my clients is a really great dating DNA framework that will teach you how to date successfully over 40 so you can actually feel confident, you can be courageous, and you can have a lot of clarity on what actually works for you. So you're no longer dating like you're 25. Because as women of a certain age, myself included, we're beyond that. So let's kind of learn how to date in a more sophisticated, evolved way. Um, I really want to hear all about that. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> share, share with me a little bit about the perspective of like, we're not we're not dating like we did when we were in our twenties. Um, explain that. I mean, I have my theories and my thoughts on why, but I, I'm curious for your, your insights. Absolutely. And so what I see really kind of happening is when um, a client approaches me or I start working with them with a woman, the the women I love working with are kind of the high achieving ones who feel very confident professionally when they're leading teams, when they're, when they're at work, when they're in the boardroom, but when then they go home, they feel kind of very lonely and they feel kind of self-conscious with women like us who are kind of grown up, I like to consider that, um, we may have been in relationships for years, if not decades. And so when we try to date again, we just default to how we dated in the past, which might be, hey, I'm going to go date online. Now, I remember when online dating back in the day used to be kind of a very kind of skeezy thing, but we think, oh, okay, I hear my daughter's doing that. I hear my niece is doing that. So I guess I'm just going to default but we don't really have a plan for that. So it's almost as if I have a lot of clients who just refuse to online date now because they go and they're feeling hopeful and they sign up and it's just kind of a dystopian nightmare. And so when we are kind of dating, like we were when we were younger, we go back to this default, we're bound for disappointment. Another thing as well is a lot of women, when you haven't dated in a while, think, well, I what am I supposed to do? Just go to a bar, just go to a singles event. What this, this doesn't sound like fun. I don't want to do that. I have social anxiety. What if there's some weird guy? And so that can cause a lot of kind of fear as well as kind of a lot of feelings of discouragement as well when you're trying to date over 40. And so the methodologies that I love working with my clients is to figuring out how to incorporate what I call your unique dating DNA framework, which helps you date in a way that makes you feel confident and that is natural for you and not just this crazy advice that you get, oh, just hop online and have a good time. (laughs) 
And, um, you know, one of the things that I really want to talk about is that I have a lot of clients who really describe feeling, um, you know, the pressure of the Tinder world, Mm -hmm. like that, you know, like as if chivalry is gone and it's all about having, you know, these, these constant sexual Mm -hmm. encounters and not having, um, being able to take their time in like getting to know somebody and, and all of that. What is your belief on how some of these apps might be contributing to almost like a devolving of um, the whole process, the whole dating process? Absolutely. And so I have kind of this, this, uh, this kind of theory that we have to kind of analyze and understand the reason why dating apps, whether it's Tinder or any of these other ones, especially as kind of evolved, sophisticated women, why they are causing us to be so frustrated. And I believe the reason why is you look at who are the people who originally invented these Tinder apps. Most of them were guys who didn't want to talk to girls, who were a little bit shy, who were a little bit nerdy, who maybe did not have the interpersonal communication skills that maybe the other guys did who were popular or who had no problem approaching women, even if they were scared. And so when we understand that it was kind of these shy guys who didn't have these strong interpersonal skills to talk to women, these are the ones who actually develop the apps. And so that has kind of devolved in as well to kind of, I feel like with these online apps, there is kind of a lot of objectification of one another because we are not listening to their speech. We're not seeing how they act in real life. We're not seeing, we can't even know if we have like a shared chemistry or an attraction with them. And the problem, especially with women who are, you know, who are over 40 and better, who are trying to go there, we are because these apps basically objectify all of us we kind of feel like, okay, well, nobody's going to want to date me there because they're just seeing kind of the female, you know, I like to call it, it's like the, the male gaze that, oh, this woman looks really kind of hot and young and I'm going to go for her and I'm not going to go for the woman that maybe has some stories to tell and has some experience. And so what I like to offer my clients when we work together is I actually highly discourage them from online dating at all. And when I tell my clients that there's always this huge relief, because I think with the dating apps, it can be a tool if you want it to be, but it's completely unnecessary, especially if you're 40 and better trying to date again. Um, As you're talking, I'm finding myself having this response to Mm -hmm. like, you know, men like, oh, I want to find the young hot chick. It just pisses me off so much. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's, it's kind of, disgusting. It's a and it's like, and it's not a, like, I guess, I guess some people think that that's just how men are hardwired, but I disagree. I mm-hmm. think men want a woman who has some grace and maturity and can be a partner that helps them expand and grow in their life. And that when things get difficult or they run into struggles, they can have mature conversation on how to improve their relationship. Mm-hmm. Not somebody who's looking for a fuck friend. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like I, I mean, Don't apologize. I have a, such a <laughs> visceral response and, know. you know, and I see women in my th- psychotherapy practice that are, you know, it's like, Oh, I had sex with, you know, 14 guys in the past three months. And, you know, some of them, they take a month off, they call it, you know, a dry month or whatever. And yeah, they're like, I feel better about myself. I feel better about myself that I didn't just let everybody have access to my body in this way. And this has been like the biggest lie that we've ever been told is that you have to spread your legs to be loved. And I think it's Mm -hmm. just so Mm -hmm. gross. And I think it's so sad. And, um, 
you know, I'm certainly no saint in my life. Like, right. I didn't wait (laughs) until marriage. Like, but had I known then what I know now, I probably would have, like, I literally probably would have, you know, because I think that the relationship that I'm in now, you know, it started, um, as friendship and, um, and really kind of just a great, great connection of friendship, like discussing all sorts of life things. And, and actually anything physical was quite off limits for various reasons for a long, long time. And so there was none of that. There was no pressure for any of that. It was not even up for discussion. And, you know, when we finally eventually took our relationship to that level, it's like, wow, you know, we've got this foundation that was built on all of this. Yeah. And I can't say that for past relationships necessarily. I think a lot of my past relationships were like this passionate, lusty kind of a thing. And, um, and that's, and I think that's kind of a backwards way that our world has looked at dating. Absolutely. But it is, I mean, I think this is really interesting because I I do have some clients that they are, you know, they're, they're in their fifties and they maybe was in just a relationship with their husband, maybe for 20 years. And they are almost kind of scared of being physically intimate of, of sex because they say, well, I just know myself and I know I'm going to get way too emotionally attached. And so what I'd like to advise, well, if you know, that's how you are, then nobody's making you have sex. Like that is just, but then also knowing we as women need to know ourselves so well. We need to know what is our dating style? What is our attachment style? And if we know, because with women, we do get a little bit emotionally attached. And that's basically because evolution has not caught up with us. That is the understanding the science of why we do that. And the science of then why we feel kind of that shame if we feel kind of quote unquote dirty afterwards or whatnot because we because we had sex and so what I like to advise clients is if you know know thyself right if you know you are going to get emotionally attached after you're physically intimate with somebody do not do it and if this is somebody who's going to try to pressure you this is not a man that you want to be in a relationship with but just know that about yourself I can honestly say like wholeheartedly I would not have the relationship that I have had I not respected myself and had he not respected me enough to not do that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, um, I never felt that shame. I never felt that guilt in that way because it wasn't until I was ready. And I think that, I think that, um, this was a very different approach, um, than a lot of people take. And, and I yeah. think even more importantly, why should women who are inherently nature nurturing by nature mm-hmm. feeling like they can't be emotionally attached to somebody that they've been intimately involved with like mm-hmm. that also is just a complete load of shit in my opinion i mean <laughs> right. uh, for lack of better way to put it it's like what is wrong with you know allowing someone into your vessel yeah. in this way and not expecting something emotionally to come from that experience. And I can tell you that the experiences that I have in the relationship that I'm in when we are intimate yeah. are so much more profound than I ever could have fathomed because there is this like a, a soul connection and a and a respect and a lovingness and a patience and a kindness and 
you know, a lot of my life and, you know, this is not to shame or guilt any past partners or anything, but just as a woman on the planet has been performative. It's been Mm -hmm. very performative and I've been able to step outside of that and gosh, it is freeing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and the thing too, is that when we think of, well, oh my God, it was performative. And I think the reason that it was performative is because that we were subject to that societal conditioning and it doesn't really matter. And I know for myself, you know, I grew up in a a pretty conservative Catholic family where there's this idea of, oh, you should be ashamed of your body or, and then you would hear Mm. that same messaging. And even, you know, I grew up like in, you know, in the eighties and nineties, which, you know, is certainly not the 1950s, but there was still just kind of this, this, this messaging that, you know, oh, good girls don't do that. Or, oh, if you, if you have sex before marriage, you know, that makes you a slut or, you know, anything along the lines of that. And so I think as women, and I do think it's getting better. Um, so I'm thankful for that. But when we are looking at women who, you know, are at midlife and better, understanding that that was all our shared experience was that, okay, gee, you know, you are here to get male attention you are here for the male gaze and oh by the way um if you have sex it is to please the man and it's not until years and years later when we've had our string of relationships that we think hey maybe that was performative maybe that was for the male gaze but that's a great thing about the work that i love doing with the clients that i love doing is we are now coming into our own realizing hey that's not who I am anymore. Hey, that's not what I'm going to do. And I'm going to reclaim my sexuality and I'm going to reclaim my, my love life. And I am going to do it in a way that makes me feel good. And it's going to make me feel fulfilled. And I am going to not be with a partner to please him, but for us to be together and work together so I can get what I need. And nobody ever really teaches younger women that. No, they don't. And, and to further your point, I recently, um, well, this was quite some time ago, but I reference it quite a bit. Mm. I read a book called She Comes First. Mm. And it is a fabulous read about how really sex should be the last thing because for all, from a purely physiological standpoint, the female body in most sexual positions is not prone to orgasm. And and so it's it's actually quite fascinating about how, you know, men feel like less than because they can't seem to please their woman or this or that, or they go into this space where it's just like, oh, I just want to recreate, you know, or some shit. (laughs) And, and that's like really not helping. Um, And, and even if you, you know, growing up in a Catholic environment, like you described, I've been recently diving into the Bible on this. And Mm. oh my gosh, the way that, the way that it is written, even, you know, we've taken on this narrative that it's dirty or it's this or it's that. And the way that it's written in the Bible, it actually describes that the man should explore, you know, his wife's body as if he is in a garden. Think about that. Like, how do you walk through a garden, right? Like, (laughs) you're like, oh, this is a juicy tomato. I want to have a little taste of this. Like, oh, wow, Mm -hmm. look at this beautiful cucumber, whatever. Exactly. (laughs) And when you think about that being like plants and garden and, and, and the flourishment of it, it changes, it changes that dirtiness a lot. And I actually had a pastor on this podcast talk about dirty sex and all of that. And it was mm-hmm. a great conversation. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, the book, she comes first also talks about the fact that most women have been taught, like, don't look at yourself down there. It's gross. There's it just right. bleeds every month, like go to the doctor once a year, make sure you're good. And in this book, it's saying, no, get a 
get a mirror and yeah. explore yourself. So your selfie, take a selfie. Yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't be afraid of this thing. And I do think that we have been very like chastity belted our whole lives in that way. But it's interesting. Cause I just, I constantly go like between these two phases of where I think number one, sexuality and kinkiness and, and exploration and, and desire and all of that is so important. But I stand so firmly these days at my age, which is in my forties, that you are going to have far more enhanced sexual experience with a respectful partner Yes, that you are exploring together than you ever will by having casual sex. I am, I'm a firm believer that there is something to this now, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was recently, cause I mean, much like you, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to all the podcasts. I'm doing all the, all the reading. Cause I just, I love it. It's my passion. And they have these kind of, it's, you know, if, if you, if you don't trust the rhetoric, trust the science. And there have been scientific studies that show that folks who are in a kind of a committed relationship that have a healthy sex life, the sex is actually better the more long-term of a relationship of with a partner you have because you're talking to each other. You're figuring out what turns you on. You're, you're exploring each other's body. And there's really no way you can do that with just a weekend fling. No, just, you it just cannot. doesn't happen like that. No way. That's absolutely true. And, you know, something that my partner and I were talking about is how different this feels than other relationships that we've been in. And what's really interesting is Mm -hmm. when you do find the right partner, you can have conversations about past sexual experiences and they don't, and they're not, they don't come with jealousy or anything like that. It's like, it's amazing to be able to talk with someone about past experiences and not feel like, Ooh, are they thinking, you know, like that kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And one of the things that we've talked about is how I feel very strongly that I lost connection with other relationships because of the disrespect in the relationship Mm -hmm. and how, Mm -hmm. when you start to have that devolving and that kind of, um, you know, just degradation of whatever level, if you don't have that peace for someone anymore because of something they've said or done or these patterns of behavior that you've gotten into where, you know, you're screaming and cursing and calling names and this sort of stuff, you're never going to achieve that. You're just not when a relationship gets to that level. And, and I do couples work. That's, that's like all I do. Right. Um, you, you've got a lot of repair to do. You know, I have a lot of women, a lot of men and women that come in to see me and the man says, you know, she just, you know, she doesn't even have, she hasn't even had sex with me in two years. And then, and then in the session, she's like, yeah, he called me a fucking bitch and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, well, no wonder she doesn't want to open herself to you. Right. And I'm not saying vice versa either, right? Like if she's like, you're such an asshole, like, well, maybe that's why he doesn't want to cuddle with you, Mm -hmm. you know, or whatever. But I think, I think that, um, you know, people really do need to take a look at this. And, and in the dating world, if you're seeing these red flags, like early on, like ghosting or not replying, Mm -hmm. this is disrespect at the end of the day, this is disrespect. And, and I call it out for what it is. I am not afraid to say you know, if somebody is not prioritizing this, that's, that is their choice. That is one thing. And you can make a decision based upon that. But if somebody is outrightly dismissing you, 
Mm-hmm. That is disrespectful. If somebody in the grocery store said, excuse me, and you didn't even turn around and you walked the other direction, mm-hmm. that would be disrespectful. Absolutely. If your grocery store clerk says, how's your day going? And you look down at the ground and completely disregard what they've said, that would be disrespectful. Absolutely. Why would we not think that somebody dismissing us that we're dating would be the same level of disrespect? And why would we even attempt to continue that relationship? Absolutely. And I think it's just because it's kind of like, it's just, unfortunately, for for better or for worse, it's what I think a lot of us have been conditioned to do in long-term relationships. And it's almost kind of like, I think there's a lot of folks who are not happy if they are in a relationship and they're not really happy with that relationship. They have a higher chance of speaking with their friends about it, speaking with their therapist, which is which is fine. But if you look at the amount of kind of that conversation, if you're not happy in your relationship and that conversation percentage that you're having with your friends and whatnot versus that conversation you're actually having about the discontent with your actual partner. Surprisingly, you're probably going to find that it's way more disproportionate towards speaking with your with your friends and complaining instead of actually having kind of a heart-to-heart with your partner. So I'm not surprised with that. Just kind of the communication is skewed, which is um which is unfortunate. And I think that um what are they say something like with the the hallmark of a loving relationship is the ability ability to communicate with one another. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is I just saw a thing, a, a, a guy reached out to me, he's got a, a book, a best-selling book. And it said, um, you know, the biggest lie is that, you know, a relationship needs good communication. I'm like, oh, this is going to be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to have that podcast episode because <laughs> I want to be enlightened on how that is not a critical part. Exactly. And I'm sure it's just some clickbait kind of a thing, but still, I mean, kind of fascinating, right? Like if I can't communicate with you what I've got going on and have, and be heard, we're never going to get past that. We're just never going to get past it. Exactly. And that's just what I think the sacred work that, that we do with you and I and others who are in that space is, is really kind of teaching folks. And I, I work primarily with women that the things that you learned don't really serve you anymore that the belief systems that the kind of your attitudes about relationships and sex and self-concept and things along the lines of that as a woman 40 and better that what you were taught in the past is if you are irrelevant you because you no longer have your youth you really don't have anything to offer or any of this kind of toxic programming that we've received in society it is first and foremost learning and, and, and helping my clients kind of get to their path of, hey, I'm actually choosing to throw all those limiting beliefs in the trash because they no longer serve me. And if I am guided by those, I am not going to attract the type of love that I want. So I better rebuild that foundation so I can attract the type that I that I the type of love that I want at this time in my in my life. But it's um it's really, really hard to reprogram beliefs, especially even if they make us comfortable, even if they make us miserable, at least we're comfortable with them because it's what we know. But you have to do that if you want to get to that level of a wonderful relationship. I love that so much. How can people get in contact with you if they're struggling in this like hamster wheel? Absolutely. So I am the most active on my Instagram. So that is just Martha Bodyfelt. So follow me there. I'm I'm always there giving great advice and talking about uh, 
launches and things along the lines of that, as well as if you have anybody in your audience who is on Facebook, there are still people on Facebook. Yes, I have a free <laughs> private Facebook group called Empowered Dating for Women. We've got free training. We've got free advice. We've got lots of polls and questions. And it's just a wonderful group of empowered women, all 40 and better. And we are there and we are supporting one another. So for anybody who's interested, come and visit there. And uh, I'd, I'd love to have you. Yeah. And guys, Martha is doing incredible things. Her stuff's been seen on the Huffington Post, Elephant Journal, Psychology Today, Thrive Global, et cetera, et cetera. She is changing the lives of women like you who are in the pitfalls of modern dating. Mm -hmm. Martha, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And as always, we include all the links in the show notes. Thank you. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.